Family, let's pray together. Jesus, we invite you right now into our hearts, into our respective homes. Father, we ask for your presence to fall fresh upon us. God, we ask um, for your guidance. Lord, as we celebrated 4th of July yesterday, Jesus, a day where this nation has experienced and, and received the freedom, Lord, Lord. God, remind us, Holy Spirit, that, that it was you who blessed this nation with freedom. And Lord, that true freedom is found in you, God. Lord, as we continue to celebrate, God, we have to express our hearts right now, Jesus, with everything that's going on in this world, with COVID-19 and with even the racial injustice that's taking place, oh Lord. God, we ask for peace. We ask for wisdom. We pray for justice. God, we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, upon this nation. So Holy Spirit, we ask for more of you and less of us, oh God. Teach us. Give us wisdom, Lord. Help us to discern your kingdom, your way, oh Lord, in the midst of this circumstances that we're in, God. So Holy Spirit, Lord, as we, as we just sang, Lord, it is well with our soul. God, we pray for divine peace. We ask that, Lord, our hearts will, will find rest in you, Jesus, and you alone. So we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, I want to officially welcome Pastor H.K. with us, Pastor H.K. Kim. Today is his first Sunday with us. And we are blessed to have him as a part of our family. So to show your uh, love and support to Pastor HK, why don't we have the heart start flying across the screen right now? You'll see the heart uh, there so you can make it fly just to give Pastor HK some Christ Church love. Let's make that happen. HK, great to be with you. God bless you. And I look forward to being in mission and ministry with you. Family, thank you for joining us on this 4th of July weekend. We are blessed to be here in the presence of the Lord. You know, I uh, want to uh, make sure that, uh, that you know that uh, we would like for you to check in. You'll find that button at the top of the page. And uh, it's really important that you do so because now you're able to share your prayer requests with us. You let us know that you're present and, uh, and we can be in prayer for you. You know, uh, this past week, I was uh, on the telephone with uh, Bishop Henry, who is uh, the president of our school board in Kenya, our Hope Education Center, our school, our Christchurch school over in Sakwa, Kenya. And uh, I was uh, talking to him about completing some construction on the second floor that is continuing our second floor slab so that eventually we can build the classrooms up there, and we're going to be able to make that happen. I am uh, very happy to say thanks to our, uh, our uh, beautiful Hope Fund, we have enough money to be able to send in order to get that part of the construction done while our school students are uh, out of school because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but he, there was one thing that I wanted to share with you today that was really disturbing to me. And that is what I found out while talking to Bishop Henry is that the teachers of our school have not received any pay for the months of April, May, June. They will not be paid in July or August. And if school in Kenya starts in September, that's the first time that they will be paid. 
And so uh, I am going to be scraping together enough money to be able to send over to the school so that the school can give our teachers uh, something, some income uh, to help them through this time. And I just simply wanted you to know that because that's what you do. It's who you are. You know, we are the people of Christ Church, and we take our call to love God and to love others and to live out the gospel life very seriously. So on this uh, 4th of July uh, Sunday, first Sunday in July, you know, your pastors are beginning a brand new series today, brand new teaching series today. You may have noticed that uh, in summers past, we have either taken a deep dive into a particular book of the Bible, or what we've done is begin to look at the heroes of our faith and, uh, and do a deep dive into a particular person in the Bible, one of our great heroes. Well, what we've decided to do now is to do this, the latter. That is to take a deep dive into one of the great heroes of our faith, and his name is David. Yeah, David. David, the shepherd boy. David, the giant slayer. David, the greatest king that Israel has ever known. So, why don't we take a moment and look at some fast facts about David? I'll even ask it this way. What do you think you know about him? What do you know about that great hero of the faith named David? Let's find out. Well, first fast fact is this. David was the youngest son of a very poor farmer, and his name is Jesse. Jesse. In fact, when I say youngest son, David had seven older brothers and two sisters. Uh, so he was the youngest son of a poor farmer named Jesse. He was born and raised in the town of Bethlehem. How about that? You know anybody else born in Bethlehem? I bet you do. He was born and raised in the hamlet of Bethlehem. As David uh, began to grow, he was anointed by the prophet and high priest of Israel, Samuel. And uh, he became King Saul's personal musician and uh, armor bearer. Armor bearer. The Bible tells us he was Saul's armor bearer as well. We know David probably best as what? What's this say right here? Giant slayer, right? David and what's, who was the, who was the giant? Goliath, yeah. David and Goliath, the David the giant slayer. You know, the cool thing about David is, is that he was incredibly strong in battle. But David was like many others of us who are weak in relationships at home. There, he was strong in battle, but he was weak in relationships. So those are just some fast facts about David the giant slayer, J David the shepherd boy, David the great king of Israel. Well, our story begins. Let's put it all into perspective now. Let's, let's get it all in timeline. You know, our story begins about 3,000 years ago. 
As I said, David was the son of Jesse, poor farmer, born and raised in Bethlehem. You know, because he was born and raised in Bethlehem, by the way, he ended up becoming an ancestor of Jesus. Now you say, now how in the world did David become an ancestor of Jesus? Well, if you remember from the Gospel of Luke, why did Joseph and Mary have to go to Bethlehem to register for the census? Why did they have to go there? As a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us, right, that that Joseph was of the house and lineage or in the genealogy of David. Yeah, so he was an ancestor of, Je- of Jesus. But, you know, as far as the family was concerned, this guy, his father, Jesse, you know, they were really a nobody people. They were a nobody people, and David was living in the family of nobodies. But yet, by the grace of God, David became one of the greatest kings that Israel had ever seen. In fact, if you go to the New Testament in uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is what I affectionately call the Hall of Faith, the New Testament Hall of Faith, not the Hall of Fame, but the, the Hall of Faith, what we find is that David is listed there as one of the great heroes of our faith. Hebrews chapter 11. You may want to check that out. Now, during his lifetime, he received some great blessings and and wonderful promises from God. He did right out of the hands of God. But the greatest thing that we know about David is this, and this is what I want you to get, because this is what God wants for each of us. David was able to achieve something that most of us have not achieved. David accomplished something that that many of us have never accomplished. And that is, David became a man after God's own heart. Now, listen to me say this. That, that was never a title that David claimed for himself. Uh-uh. You know who gave him that title? God himself did. Matter of fact, check this out. We find it right there in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. He says this, but God removed Saul, that is King Saul, removed him, replaced him. God removes King Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, listen, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything that I want him to do. Wow. If only God could say that about me. How about you? Are you in the same boat? If only God could say that about you, right? If only God could say that about me, that we are a a man or a woman after God's own heart. You know, now, some of you may be wondering, why in the world would we even want to spend time on a man who has been dead for 3,000 years. Why? Well, I want to reiterate this one point, is that David achieved something that many of us have never achieved. David accomplished something that many of us have never accomplished, that he became a man after God's own heart. And, And by looking and studying David's life now, you and I, well, we can learn a lot from him, and we can find out how to do just that.
So let's be upfront and clear about this. You know, I've just got to say it right up front. David was not perfect. And praise God for that, right? I mean, nobody could be a man after God's own heart if they had to be perfect here on earth. We don't live in heaven, right? I mean, this is not paradise that we live in. We live in a broken, sinful place, this planet, this third rock from the sun, this place that's called earth. It is broken and sinful, and we're right in the middle of it. So, it's not about being perfect. He was far from perfect. In fact, David failed. Do you hear me? I'm going to say it again. David failed. He failed, and he failed big time. But here's the beautiful thing. He kept short accounts with God. What do I mean by that? Is that after he failed, he recognized what he had done. He confessed his sin to the Lord. He was genuinely repentant. And he sought God's forgiveness. And he did just that. God forgave him. And you know, that's good news for us. Because if we want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, we too need to be quick to confess our our sins, our faults, our errors, our failures, and we need to seek that forgiveness from God. And we can be, be a man or woman after God's own heart. You and I can learn a whole lot from David. We can learn a whole lot from David about faith, about obedience, about worship, uh, this is all in his life, all in his life. So as the Lord leads us in the coming weeks, folks, I believe it would do us well to look, di- to, to look deep, to dive deep, to, uh, to do a, uh, uh, a, a strong look into David's life so we can learn all that we can about him and apply those things to our own life. Now, you and I both know, I think, that... that uh, Sometimes the Lord uses the most unlikely people, the most unlikely people to do some amazing things, to accomplish some uh, uh, unlikely feats, to achieve some unlikely goals, to fulfill some unlikely dreams. He uses unlikely people, often people like you and me. And you know, no one can judge what's on the inside of a person's heart. Nobody can do that simply by looking at him or her. You know, uh, those who appear uncompromising are often the very ones who go on to accomplish their dreams. For example, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. In 1954, I mentioned this to you uh, some time ago, but I'm just going to tell a bit of that story. In 1954, the manager of the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee, fired Elvis Presley after his very first performance, told him he better go back to Memphis and drive trucks for a living. Well, when he was in college uh, at Princeton, Malcolm Forbes Sr., the uh, late editor-in-chief of Forbes magazine was deemed too untalented to take a job on the school newspaper. He was turned down at the Princeton uh, Princeton University's newspaper, college newspaper, because he was too untalented. Malcolm Forbes Sr., that is. 
1944, there was a woman named Norma Jean Baker who wanted to be a model. And she interviewed with the uh, uh, Blue Book Modeling Agency. And, uh, and the owner there, Emmeline Snively, told her that she had better learn to be a secretary or even better yet, just go get married. Well, she didn't give up on her dreams and Norma Jean Baker is now better known as Marilyn Monroe. Billy Graham, not Billy Graham, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone in 1876. But for years, you know, he couldn't find anybody who was willing to invest in it. But he had this huge demonstration and United States President Rutherford B. Hayes was there at the demonstration. And Rutherford B. Hayes, our president said, this is a great invention. But who would ever want to use one of these? <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, everybody's got our phone. You're probably watching this on your telephone even right now. And certainly, Martin Luther King Jr., just, just tell it like it is. Martin Luther King Jr. failed over and over and over again. But the day came on August 28, 1963, when approximately 260,000 people filled the space between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument and were inspired and encouraged and energized to push for justice that African Americans had been denied because Martin Luther King had a dream. Folks, I tell you all of these stories because history is filled with the most unlikely people who have accomplished some unlikely dreams, overcome obstacles to accomplish their goals. You know, many of these who go on to accomplish such great things eventually reveal the secret that allows them to do it, and it's this un an indomitable spirit, a determined will, and un an unwavering heart. An unwavering heart. You know, I want to give you a quote from Helen Keller. Helen, Helen Keller said this, The best and most beautiful things of the world cannot be seen or touched but are felt in the, say that out loud, heart. Are felt in the heart. Helen Keller. You know, often it's what's in our heart that determines who we become more than anything else. And there's no one that proves the, the truth of that more or better than, the, than David, the one that we're studying today. So let's dive in and answer the question, how did David, a young shepherd boy, become the great king of Israel? All right, first thing we need to do is we need to start by understanding who the people's choice was and what happened and looking at their times, the times that they were living in. You know, 40 years before David was inaugurated as king, Samuel, the high priest and prophet of Israel, he was growing old. 
And now, the, the normal way of things would be that, that God would anoint one of Samuel's sons in order to take over. That was the normal way of doing things. But Samuel's sons, I, I'm not sure exactly how I want to say this, but uh, let's put it this way. Samuel's sons were, were, were anything and everything but priestly. I mean, they were wreaking havoc all across Israel. They were. Matter of fact, look at, uh, look at this scripture right here. First uh, Samuel 8, 5 from the Message Translation. But Samuel's sons didn't take after him. They were out for what they could get for themselves, taking bribes and corrupting justice. Yeah, who needs leaders like that? We don't need them today. They didn't need them back then either. So, that was the time that they were living in. Samuel's sons were wreaking havoc. He was grow- Samuel was growing old. They needed a new leader. They needed a new high priest. They needed a new uh, leader in Israel. So let's talk about the demands of the people. So because Samuel's sons were wreaking havoc all over Israel, causing, and people were, people were tired of it. They were dissatisfied. They were disillusioned. They were restless. And they demanded a change in their government. In fact, what they wanted was a king. They wanted a king. They wanted a king. They wanted a king just like every other nation. Uh, the nations to the north, the nations to the, to the west, the uh, nations uh, to the south. They wanted a king to sit on an earthly throne. But what they had forgotten was that they had a king. The, the, the nation of Israel already had a king. Now, let me ask you this question. Who was the king that the nation of Israel already had? It was God. God was their king. He was the one. He didn't sit on an earthly throne, but he sat in the, in the, in the temple, you know, behind the holy of holies, on the mercy seat of God. He's, that's where God was said to dwell. He was there, and they had this king. In fact, check this out. 1 Samuel uh, uh, chapter uh, 8, uh, it says this. But you're an old man. You set a good example for your sons, but they haven't followed it. Now we want a king to be our leader. Just like all the other nations. Choose one for us, Samuel. Samuel, choose a king for us. But they had forgotten that they already had a king. You know, Samuel, what was Samuel's response? Samuel couldn't believe his ears. He was heartbroken to hear that. That they were, they were demanding an earthly king to sit on an earthly throne. And Samuel was heartbroken. In fact, it took Samuel to his knees. And Samuel, and uh, look at the scripture right here. Samuel said, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, Samuel, but they have rejected me as their king. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what their king who will reign over them will do. 
Well, the Lord didn't force his way on Israel. He allowed them free will to do what it is they wanted. And he allowed them their wish. And so they were able to get a king. But you know, every decision comes with a cost. And that king cost Israel their freedom. And they were so sorry. The time came when they were so sorry that they had ever mentioned the word king to begin with. And so, Saul was chosen. Saul was chosen as the king of Israel. And it didn't take long, though, before, uh, before, before all the scars that were on the inside of, scar, uh, of Saul's heart began to appear on the outside. But from the outside, let me just say, if, if uh, Israel had been a car lot, then King Saul would have been the Rolls Royce. He would have been the Rolls Royce of the group. I mean, this guy was the tallest, most handsome man in Israel. In fact, he was Israel's eye candy. He was the eye candy of Israel. If Carly Simon, though, had written the song for just for Saul, it would have been, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you, don't you, don't you, don't you? Because you know what was on the inside of his heart? Egotism. It was, he was paranoid. He was selfish. There was violence in his heart. But boy, he was eye candy to the people of Israel. But as I just said a moment ago, it didn't take a long time for all those scars that were on the inside of Saul that couldn't be seen on the outside to all of a sudden start coming forward for, the, all, for all the world to see. You know, God had to replace Saul. And so now, the people's choice is what they can see on the outside. But how does God choose? What God sees on the inside. So now, Saul's out. It's time for the Lord's choice. Time for the Lord's choice. Now, it didn't take too long for all those things to be seen. And God's choice would not be from what you could see on the outside, but only the character of our heart. Matter of fact, let me just say this. God looks to strengthen the heart and the life of someone who's humble. And you know why he does that? He does it because humble people are teachable. Humble people don't appear to be folks who always know the answers to everything. They always have an answer for something. You know, they always seem to know best. But humble people are teachable. They're willing to learn. They're willing to follow. They're willing to do what God wants them to do. In fact, as I, as I told you before, King Saul was the eye candy of Israel, but yet he failed. He failed. And David, the humble servant, 
was strengthened by God and he succeeded. So here's the point that I want you to know, is that a person with a true servant's heart is unconcerned about who gets the glory. Do you hear me? If you really want to be a godly leader, you can't want to be the one who gets the glory. And I'll tell you why. Because if it's all about you, it isn't about God. If it's all about what you get from it, then it's not about the glory that God gets from it. That's what it means to be a humble, teachable leader. And it's an essential quality of the heart for those who are godly leaders. And now, let me give you number three. Integrity. Integrity. Let's say integrity together. Integrity. Integrity. You know, David, in spite of his sinfulness and failures, <clears throat> he had a heart of integrity. One of, the, one of the most beautiful things written by the psalmist, I think, is in Psalm 78, uh, verses 70, 70 to 72. Just listen to this. He, that is God, God chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. Remember, he was the shepherd boy, right? Took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep he brought to him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. Say integrity of heart. Integrity of heart with, with skillful hands. He led them. How beautiful is that? You know, I think God has little use for those who simply want to look good on the outside. He has little use for people who only want to look good on the outside. Because you know what God values, right? It's right here. A deep spirituality. A genuine, teachable humility. And a heart and character of integrity. And he found those qualities in a young shepherd boy. A nobody in the family of nobodies. Born of a poor farmer named Jesse in a dusty little crossroads at the time called Bethlehem. And in this family of nobodies, God found a person after his own heart. A person with deep spirituality. A person who is teachable and humble. And a person of integrity. You are a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one final question. While we're still dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic and still after all these years seeking justice and fairness and equality for people of color, let me ask you, what are you doing to love God, to love others, and to live out the gospel life as a godly leader? Let's pray. 
Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to be yours. You have called us to be godly leaders. It may not have been something that we've sought out on our own, but the moment we stepped across the line for you and asked you to be our Lord and Savior, we became a godly leader because we became a minister of God's grace. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, for this church and its ministry and its outreach to the world, that we may be a church that, that lives into our community, that continues to respond to the needs of those uh, in this pandemic, as well as those who are continuing to seek justice and fairness and equality. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless this church as we reach out overseas to help those, our students in, uh, in Sakwa, Kenya, to be able to provide something for our teachers there. We pray, God, that you would use us as godly leaders to be the men and women after your own heart that you have called us to become. So, Lord, change us now from the inside out, and strengthen us to be yours. For this is our prayer. In the name of the Holy of Holies, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.